Greetings in Jesus' name. The one that came to earth to redeem everyone back to him. What a blessing we can meet here in the presence of Jesus. And, uh, you know, you might wonder, what should, a, what should a man preach on the last Sunday of the year, getting ready, right, starting for another year that would uh, encourage us a lot for next year to do what is right? You know, you can preach on reading your Bible through. And I did that, I think, last year. And hopefully you had a good time session with the Lord this year. Another option, of course, we need to pray more. Maybe you don't, but I do. You know, more prayer. We could also preach on more loving for the lost. We need that. We got a good dose of that, hopefully, in Sunday school. And we could preach on obedience to the word. And there's a multitude of things we can preach on, but the Lord led me abundantly clear to a message that is a little different. I don't hear this much preached, but uh, I hope this is balanced. And if it's not balanced, it's balanced with some other preaching that we hear. So sometimes we like to get things balanced a little bit. And because uh, actually, if we think about this message this morning and all things of life, you will read your Bible. You will pray. You will love your brothers and sisters. You will love the lost. You will want to be obedient to Jesus. You will want to be a light, a holy light to everyone around you. So I thought, well, this is kind of basic and fundamental, but so the Lord laid a heart on uh, something that goes like this. You know, reverence and uh, respect for authority is being challenged on all fronts. Not just out in society, it's in the church too, if you noticed. And uh, since man wants to run his own life, and they enjoy that, they think it's the right way to do, uh, and to live in pleasure, the thought of somebody else saying or controlling uh, what they are to do is kind of revolting to a lot of society. <clears throat> that's man without Jesus. And that's a sad place to be. But to live... A life pleasing to Jesus, totally surrendered to him and his word is the way we're to live. And it brings the presence and the blessings of Jesus in our lives and joy and contentment. It was once said, one of the hallmarks of our society is a lack of fear of God. And that's the title of the message, Fear of God. So... Uh, I am glad that we can live in such a way that our life reflects a reverence and fear for God. It says in uh, Pro uh, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know, I'm sure you remember the verse in James that says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give to you liberally, Right? Well, do you know that actually means uh, did you, that we need more fear of God to get that wisdom? Or you just don't get wisdom just for asking. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Interesting thought. You want more wisdom, fear God more. And uh, so it goes on to say a definition for the fear of God. I'd like to preach this with a smile on my face, okay? In case it's not a smile, just remember my heart is, okay? Um, 
Because it, the effects of the fear of God is tremendously, tremendously pleasing to God, and it blesses our walk with Him, okay? So always remember that. It's a reverential awe of the definition of an almighty, sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Reverence and respect for God, in other words. First definition, definition two, a terror and dread. Luke 12, verses 4 and 5 says, I say to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, but after that have no more they can, they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, hath, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say, fear him. That was Jesus speaking to his people, you and me this morning. And so most saints, uh, saints agree with the idea of the first definition. We need to have an awe and a reverence for God. But the second part is equally important for a God for a life pleasing to God. Many people have a reverential fear of God, but they're not thinking that God will judge sin and the sinner. And that brings a balance to life, see? You know, because you know what? I we can sin and become a sinner. Now, I like to think of that idea, but the, the, the fact is there. So we need both of these aspects to have a healthy reverence for God. Now, there's seven times the word fear God is in the New Testament. Seven times. And we read one of them. And, uh, and it means to be in awe, reverence, to frighten. That's the Greek, okay? Because we don't like this idea. Because we want to be in reverence. We want to be in awe of God. And we need to have an awe for God. But uh, I praise God that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? I hear that preached a lot. That is very true. That is very true. That, that, that we have a loving God that deserves all the reverence and even more than all of our reverence and awe for him. But this same God is the one that has the ability to cast and will cast every sinner into hell. And, and everyone that sins. And, and so when we balance that and we walk in that way of living, saying, Lord, I reverence you. You're loving and kind. But you know what? You're a fair and just God. You're not going to let their sin slip into hell and into heaven. And he's not going to let mine slip into heaven either. And so it brings a healthy balance to our Christian walk. It is healthy. So if we live in just a dread and fear of God, we need to get what's wrong in our misperception of God or maybe something that's wrong in my life. I don't know, it could be the Holy Spirit working. And some people, you know, because God doesn't just carry a big stick. And yet he wants to speak to us and build us up. And he does speak to us when we have sin in our lives. And he wants us to ask for forgiveness and rid ourselves of that sin. Too many people, Christians, modern day Christians, have reduced God to the big buddy upstairs. 
that just pats everybody on the back and says, oh, you're such a good sheep. And he is that God that does love, and he does comfort our lives when we're doing what's right, but he is way more and way different than the big buddy upstairs. That's a Protestant misperception of God. So to uh, understand this a little bit more, now this is all scripture, so I hope you're saying yay and amen in your hearts, because this is all good. It'll keep you sound for the rest of your life if you live this way. Revelation, no, excuse me, not Revelations. I just read through Revelations, and wow. And I was amazed. It says, fear God in Revelations. You know that? Wait a minute, I won't go into that. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 18, 21. Hebrews 12, verses 18. <clears throat> For ye are not come. Now this, just remember, this is God speaking to the Hebrews, which is God's people in New Testament. This isn't Old Testament theology, okay? This is New Testament speaking to the Hebrews as well as us as his people. For ye are not come unto the mount which might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned and thus through with a dart. So, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye have come to the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heaven of Jerusalem, and the noble couple of angels. I meant to stop at 21. Sorry about that. Because see, it's hard to fathom what they were thinking back then. But they knew it in the past that, uh, that God spoke to his people. And they, he was trying to get them to remember an Old Testament account that their forefathers had went through. Now, I'd like us to go back. And, and, and keep your finger, I don't know how you can do this, but keep your finger there in Hebrews because we'll come back to that account. To Deuteronomy 5, verses 3 to 7. Now this is uh, when they're entering, getting ready to enter the promised land, 40 years after uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments. Hebrews, I mean, Deuteronomy 5, verses 3 to 7. And the Lord made not this covenant with your, our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive today. And the Lord talked with them, with you face to face in the mount in the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, I am, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And thou shalt have no other gods before me. He was saying, look, it was interesting to notice that even though 40 years later, and God only knows how many of those people were not there when they were given the Ten Commandments. They would not have been there. He said, I gave them to you. And I think that's the way God wants us to look at the Word of God. You say, well, he gave it to the Hebrews. He gave it to those at Philippi. He gave it to the Thessalonians. You give the, the Word. He gave it to you. 
He gives it to you, his believers nowadays. We said, you know what? That was a special occasion. He said, that was a very special occasion. He said, for, uh, the Lord wanted to talk to you face to face, but you know what? You couldn't handle it. I'd like to read just a little bit then in Exodus 20, verses 18 to 20, of that account that happened uh, when the Lord did speak to them on Mount Sinai. Exodus 20, verses 18 to 20. And all the people saw the thunders, thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoke and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak down to us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you. And that this fear, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Now, I don't know how you would have felt if you'd have been one of them. Because now you've got to remember, the Lord wanted to talk with them. And they knew that their God wasn't a God to play around with. A lot of Americans think you can just fiddle with God and you can make him whatever size you want to make him. But they knew better than that. They saw the ten plagues in Egypt. And we saw them with our spiritual eyes too. Right? We see them with our spiritual eyes too. They knew that God could make it. If you didn't have the blood on your doorpost, your oldest would die. It didn't matter what excuse you have used too busy, too tired, or what your excuse, your oldest would die. And they knew that was the way God was going to be. They saw because they come to the to the to the Red Sea, they saw that water. They knew they was doomed to die. Because the Egyptians were coming after them. And you know what? The Israelites weren't good fighters yet. They got pretty fight, uh, festy later, but they weren't good fighters yet. And they knew they was going to die. And you know what? God parted that water, and they walked through on dry land. That was their God. That's your God. That's your God. They also saw the water come back right at the right time, and the Egyptians drowned That was their God. That's our God. They, they also remember later they needed water, and it struck the rock. And water flowed out of the rock. Amazing. Living water. That was a foreshadow of living water. Yeah. They saw all that. And they knew that uh, they had a God that was worth serving. He could do anything. He can do anything. He could do anything. Now, let us look at verses uh, 23 to 27 in Deuteronomy 5. Back to Deuteronomy 5, verses 23 to 27. Now, I don't know how to be there. I still want to come to this point. <clears throat> I have never seen, and I don't mind if I never do, see a mountain that must have looked like that one. 
thunders, lightnings, roarings, rumbling. I mean, I mean, that must have made a I must have made a, a volcano look like a spring, spring, uh, a spring chicken. I mean, like it didn't know what it was doing. You know, imagine that was God. That was God. That's our God. If you think He has God over thunders and lightnings, read Revelations. There's a lot, a lot going on there that I think the people don't reverence him here aren't going to ever make it to heaven. I tell you, our guide is, is, is incredible. Now, then there's a response to God speaking to them. I want us to look at uh, Deuteronomy verses 23, five, Deuteronomy 5 verses 23 to 27. And it says, it came to pass that when you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness for the mountain will burn with fire, that ye come near unto me, even all the heads of the tribes and the elders. And he said, behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness. Hmm. Think they was thinking about that? That's what they were supposed to be thinking. And ye have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. And ye have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall we will then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out in the midst of the fire as we have and live? Go thou near and speak and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and, and we will hear it and do it. So it's interesting there's a number of things here. It had a very sobering effect on them, what was happening, because he said, look, God is speaking out of the fire. And you know what? It, it lasts so long and it's so loud. I don't think we can live. And you know, sinners around the Almighty God, they have a real fear. They have a real, and they should have a real fear. See, because you know, people, you know, we read about no fear. And you know what? I'm glad as Christians we don't have to fear tomorrow. We don't have to fear what men will do to us. So there is a realm where we have no fear. But if our fear carries over to not a rever reverential fear of God and what he will do to sinners, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. And so he's saying, look, you experienced these things. And he said, look, we, we can't handle this. Send Moses up there. <laughs> you know, I'm glad we don't have to send Moses. You can send yourself. He wants to talk to you individually. And you know what? He speaks the same way. He speaks with authority. He speaks with authority. Yeah. What he says we will do. Then um, God's response to them, verses 28 and 29. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when they spake unto when ye spake unto me, and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of the people, which they have spoken unto thee, and they have, have well said all that they have spoken. 
Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And I think he's saying that today. Oh, God is saying that we can find a people that have a heart to have a proper reverence for me in their lives. They're good. They will keep my commandments because they'll know that I am the God that can perform miracles. I can do whatever it takes. I can make it happen. And because I want it, he said, I want it to be well with you next year and all the rest of your lives. And you know what? And if you live in a proper reverence for God, your children will probably pick it up. They'll want to see that. And you know what? Your lineage, spiritual lineage, will go on forever and ever. What a tremendous blessing. These people, children of God, live in light of eternal things, not temporal things. Now, the new covenant response back to this event. Now, back to Hebrews 12. Did I mention something about sticking something there? Hebrews 12. Back to the verses now. Let's go to 22 to 29. But ye are coming to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that she refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, how much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shall not shake the earth only, but also heaven. And his word yet once more signified the removing of those things which are shaken, as of the things that are made, that these things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There's no other way to serve him acceptably. There's no other way. Oh, there's one more verse. For our God is a consuming fire. Do you know what that means? That means that judgment, every sinner is going to be consumed by fire. That's what it means. Because he said, look, I want to come, I want to show my presence in your life. You know, I want to bless you because we we're the church of God now. And this church, for you to accept Jesus, you know that Jesus judged your sins, condemned us for our sins. That's right. We know that. I thank God we don't have to, to send Moses up there to talk to God. We have a mediator and an assessor, intercessor, Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus walked on earth and he showed us a good example. Verse 25 here speaks. 
Be careful to reverence him and what he says to you because he speaks with authority and his word is going to be our standard of living. So when we read the word of God, it's completely different. It's, it's yea and amen. When he said it, it's our guide. Now, we, some people apply it differently, but we read the word of God. If you reverence God, you read it totally different than any other book you read. Because it's authoritative, it guides us. Verse 29 speaks of the judgment, God's judgment on sin. Saints that uh, fear uh, God the way they should, they have an awareness that sin will be judged, and the sinner was sent to eternal hellfire. They take it seriously the way they walk, and they walk carefully with the Lord. They understand that hidden sin will damn them to hell. They understand that. The, uh, it's interesting, and I've often thought about this verse, but it come to my mind when I was studying 2 Corinthians 5.11. You remember this words, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Have you ever heard that verse? Knowing the terror of the Lord. I've often wondered about that. Put that in context and it makes sense. The terror, knowing the terror of the Lord. Most men, including most Christians today, do not grasp the terror of God. Every sinner will. Every saint that is, is, wants to be serious of God will realize there's that aspect about God that brings righteous judgment on sin. They'll understand that and it'll affect their everyday walk. In every way of life. Terror means, in the Greek, this word terror, and it's only a couple times in the New Testament, it's this, to be put in fear, alarm, or fright. That's what it means, okay? And that's what it means. Knowing every Christian here has to a limited degree understands the terror of the Lord because he's judged your sin, that's why he sent Jesus to die for our sins. That's why he, his Holy Spirit has spoken in our lives and said, look, Claire, you're living in sin. You need Jesus. That is the aspect of God is going to judge sin. And thank God he judges it now so we can have it beneath the blood of Jesus. See, when we respond to that, knowing the terror, Lord, we persuade men, and I'm glad we don't need to do the persuading the Holy Spirit does, okay? But I'll tell you, a life living in proper reverence for God speaks a lot to other people. Jesus gives us grace to live and to please him, but it takes a deep reverence of God to live acceptably for him. Because if you notice people that don't reverence God the way they should, they'll pick and choose what they want to obey in the Bible. They'll, they, will, they will explain out different doctrines and practices. And thank God there was an Anabaptist group that started 500 years ago that said, we're not going to do that. And your forefathers died at the stake that you can have a true faith in Jesus. And I praise God for that. Now, 
this aspect was spoken much in the Old Testament, but I want to make it abundantly clear this morning, this is a New Testament principle, okay? This isn't just Old Testament phraseology that sounds good. It says in Psalms 103, verses 3 and 4, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is right, there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Ponder that for about two days. That, that'll really, you know, but there's forgiveness with thee to realize that it takes such an awesome, tremendous, loving, but he has, God had to hate sin tremendously to send Jesus to die for my sins. He had to hate it tremendously. And there's forgiveness with these Psalms 103 verse 4, that thou mayest be feared. We're all born in sin. And we need, do not need to stay in that condition. And there's forgiveness in Jesus. Thank God. God is holy, holier than we can imagine. I think he's holier than we can imagine. But he's a holy God. And he despises and deplores, abhors, if I can say it right, sin. My sin world, sin of the world, my sin. And he lets us know that sin separates us from God. Sin separates man from God. A person that fears God, when they sin, they will want to repent. Mark this down. A person that fears God, when they sin, they will want to to repent, and they want to humbly confess their sins, and it, bring, it brings forgiveness and clean, uh, cleansing to their lives. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall, shall abide satisfied, he shall not be visited with evil. Now I wonder what that meant, so I looked it up, and you know what visited means? He shall not be overtaken with evil. I love that because, you know, we want to live in the abundant life that Jesus gives. You know, Jesus satisfies. We want to live in that abundant life. He satisfies our very deepest cravings, our longings that, of our life. You know, we don't need selfish pleasures to be satisfied. We know Jesus and that person that is focused on Jesus and reverences him and fears him shall not be overtaken with evil. What a promise. What a promise. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You know why? Because they got a good grasp that evil departs us from the fellowship with God. That's now. And if it stopped now, sinners, all sinners would rejoice. Because living without God now and just that end being the end. But the thing is, they're departed from God, the presence of Jesus, for all eternity. Because they're in hell. Yes, the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Well, I like to look at some of the good effects from fearing the Lord. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride. And he goes on defining some of it. Pride, arrogance, and an evil way. And the forward mouth do I hate, God says. 
I hope every Christian is that way. I hope we are that way. The fear of the Lord brings a wholesome dread of displeasing him. A wholesome dread of displeasing him. It's so easy to think what I need to do is so important. Selfish things, you know, what I want to do evenings this week and neglect what God wants me to do. Reverence for God compels me to do what is pleasing to God with my time. Proverbs 14.27. I'm only using a few verses. There is so many more where you'd be appalled. I mean, and that's why I don't understand why we don't speak about this more because the, the Bible is just laced with this. The fear of God is a fountain of life and to depart from the snares of death. Wow, what a privilege. I heard a story one time <clears throat> that a man confessed on Wednesday evening that he does not fear God enough. I have never heard that confessed. It might be true. In fact, I know that I need more fear of God myself, so I'm preaching to me. I'm letting you listen in. Uh, and they said, well, what, what would have happened that made you say that you need to fear God more? And he said, well, I'm an orderly in the hospital. And he must have been helping out the ER. And he said, a man come in there that was in really bad shape. This man that come in, if to my remembrance, it's been a few years since I heard this story, so forgive me if I'm not 100% correct, but I'm trying to be. He worked at a chemical factory, and, and he was moving chemicals around. And one time he heard that there was a certain chemical, if you put in the, on water, would flame up with fire. So he said, you know what? I think I'm going to get some of this. This could be interesting sometime. And that it was. So one evening they were having a party at this man's place. And as they were drinking and stuff and crowding and, and making a ruckus, you know, things, the party kind of dies down, you know what I mean? And so God little lady said, you know what, I think maybe we'll make some excitement here to liven up the party. And so he puts a little water in the sink and puts water in the sink and he gets out his vial of chemical and he throws some of this chemical onto the water. And whoosh, the fire goes up. But sad to say, in his drunken stupor, some of the chemical got on his face. And you know what happened? His face become on fire. And it, it, it started to scald him. And, and so they called the rescue squad and said, hey, you know, we, this, this guy's hurt. What can we do? And they would sit there, oh, oh okay, you face feel better. So they would put rags on it. Whoosh, the fire would come up again. And he would start to burn. You know what he's saying? Help me. Can't you see I'm in hell? Hmm. Sad words. Yes. And they rushed him to the hospital trying to help him. They didn't know what to do. And he kept saying, I need help. Can't you see I'm in hell? It would come a little longer and a little longer. And the man was losing his energy. And he was trying to help him. And now, now he was saying a good bit quieter. Help. Can't you see I'm in hell? And they tried to help that man. And finally, the only thing they decided, 
They're going to peel the skin off his face. And his last words were barely heard, but they were, can't you see I'm in hell? That orderly said, that changed me for life. That man did not reverence God. He thought partying was fun. He thought living for self was fun. And his words said, repeated the only words he said, can't you see I'm in hell? And every sinner is going to be able to say that. And it's going to be a bad day. The fear of God would have changed his life completely. And it changed that orderly's life. It did. Hmm. See, the fear of God affects every aspect of your life. I'll mention a few things, only a few. It affects the atmosphere in your home. Reverence for God affects it. It affects how you treat your spouse, how wives submit to the husbands, how men lead their homes, and how children obey their, their parents in a godly way. The reverence for God affects how you respond to your children, even when they're bad and you're upset. It affects the fear of God, affects your attitude toward your, toward your civil authority, whether you obey them or not. The fear of God has a lot to do with that. The fear of God affects your attitude toward your church leaders. It sure does. It affects your uh, attitudes towards your brothers and sisters in the church, especially those you don't want to get along or can't get along with, or you think you can't, excuse me. It affects your attitude toward your cantankerous neighbor. It affects how you relate to your cantankerous, honorary neighbor. The fear of God respects how much you want to come to church. Yep. It affects about how you feel about family devotions and your personal devotions, whether it's a routine or meaningless or it's meaningful and a blessing in your life. The fear of God has a ton to do with that. It affects how you respond on your electronic device when something pops up that is questionable and what you do and where you, you end up going and how much you end up going back there or repenting and moving on. Fear of God affects that a lot. The fear of God affects how you respond to sensual allurements with hate or desire. It affects how you view wasting time with Hollywood and frivolous YouTube videos. It affects the fear of God affects your desires if it's for worldly things and accumulations or to serve God in all of life. The fear of God affects whether I am willing to live humbly before all men. The fear of God affects how quickly I respond to the Holy Spirit's convictions in my, on my sin. The fear of God affects how long I will live in spiritual lukewarmness or think I'm all right and make excuses when I'm lukewarm. The fear of God will affect how I answer my council meeting question card, uh, questions on the council card. In other words, the fear of God affects everything you do. Yes, 
God's always loved to speak to his people and encourage them. Malachi 3, verses 16 and 17. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. And they thought upon his name. And they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his son that serveth him. See, he said, look, you fear God the way you should. You will shine for Jesus, and you absolutely will. What a blessing to get a little grasp of reverence for God. As it says in the end of chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, the wise man writing, and he finally got something right, where it says in 12, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let's hear the conclusion of everything that's important for every Christian on the face of the earth. Fear God. Why do you start there? Because that's where everything starts. That's where everything starts. And, keep, and then they will want to keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Then he goes on to explain it just a little bit. For God shall bring every work into judgment, and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God bless each one of you with living with a proper fear of God.